Welcome to the latest ATP podcast with me, Chris Bowers, which this week is coming to you from Vienna, home of the Erstebank Open, one of the 500-level tournaments on the ATP Tour with lots of ranking points at stake in the run-in to the end-of-season events. I'll be based in Vienna throughout the week to interview players and coaches as the season reaches its conclusion. But before all of that, there have been three ATP events taking place this week in Stockholm, Antwerp and in Tokyo. And we start in Tokyo with the likes of Taylor Fritz, Kasper Ruud, Hubert Hurkacz and Alexander Zverev all exiting the tournament early. There was a chance for a few players further down the rankings to take advantage in the race to Turin standings. Among them, the American Tommy Paul, who has his eyes firmly fixed on next month's NITO ATP Finals. To get there, you got to win. I got to, like, perform, uh, go deep into these tournaments that I have the rest of the year. Luckily, they're, they're pretty big tournaments, so a lot of opportunity for points. And, I mean, it's going to be tough competition every week. It does seem from the outside been a, a big step forward in terms of results and confidence. Everything seems to be coming together. What would you say has been the sort of key attribute to, to this sort of surge in performances this year? I don't know. I just feel like more consistency. Like I had two years ago or whenever. I mean, I've, I've always kind of had like random good results and then like a streak where I haven't I hadn't played too well. Um, and this year I've really focused on putting it together like week after week and, and just working on being a little bit more consistent. You're right up there now, of course, with, uh, with Taylor and Francis, actually past Francis now in the, uh, the rankings. I mean, how much fun is this All-American fight? I know you guys are, are good mates, but how, how much of it is fun and how much of it is sort of competitiveness and wanting to sort of stay in touch with each other? I mean, for me, it's all fun. Uh, I think for, for almost all of us, we, we have a good time pushing each other. Um, I mean, if I was on tour with all the Ameri- without any Americans, like I don't know how long I'd play the sport. You know, like I have so much more fun just having them here. Is it is it harder though, or, or easier in a way because you're you're all such good friends and you don't sort of I guess you want each other to do well as well as beat each other. It's way easier. You know, like when I'm playing a tournament, I'm not looking at it like if I do this well in a tournament, like I'm gonna pass this person, like. I'm just looking at it like I want to win every match and I want them to win every match and wherever we fall, that's where we fall. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of, not too much, but there's a little bit of smack talk between us, but, like, it's all, like, just for fun, you know, just, like, purely jokes and, and I think we all have a really good time with it. And uh, finally, then, we, we saw a couple of, well, quite a lot of surprise results in, in Shanghai. I mean, I mean, is, is that... Um, just a coincidence or is it that sort of time of year when fatigue sets in why do you think we're seeing so many surprise results so far in this swing yeah I think I think it's a mixture of a lot of things I think some players are I mean our season is way too long and it's tough on the body and there's it's impossible to make it through a year without hurting yourself or I mean, having nagging injuries. So I think that's a factor late in the schedule like this. I think a lot of people are missing home quite a bit. And then there's some players that got injured earlier in the year that are, I mean, just a little bit more eager to perform at at these events now that, I mean, they've had their time off in a way. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's always weird at the end of the year. You never know when someone's gonna kind of throw in the towel or, give you a couple extra points here and there, but, you know, there's a lot of opportunity at the end of the year, too.
Tommy Paul speaking to Paul King. Fascinating to hear him say that he might not stick it out on the tour if it weren't for that group of Americans. It just tells you how close-knit a group they are. As Tommy pointed out, he's done himself a huge favour this week by capitalising on others dropping points, whether because of travel, fatigue, homesickness or whatever. So what are the must-have items that players need to create a home away from home? Well, Tommy Paul let ATP Uncovered into his hotel room to see what he carries round with him. The first thing I'm going to show you is probably my laptop because I use it the most out of everything I bring. Uh, watch a lot of shows on it. Also throw whatever stickers I get on there. Um, this one, Thug Nasty, is uh, one of my favorite UFC fighters. UFC is one of my uh, favorite sports outside of tennis. Dairy Boy, that's my, uh, my girlfriend's brand. Next item is probably headphones, you know, for the flight. Can't, can't really go anywhere without them. Actually, my last trip, I forgot them. Um, had to buy them in the airport, and I'm not going cheap with headphones. You know, I need the noise canceling on the flight. So every time I forget them, it's an expensive mistake. I guess we'll go to the hats next. I always travel with like three or four hats. This is uh, my match hat. I like the trucker hats when I play. I think it's a, a cool vibe. I just started practicing with them and then I asked New Balance if they would make them for me for matches. Mulch California, that's the clothing brand I was talking about. Like if you follow me on Instagram or see me at tournaments, I'm always practicing in the Mulch California hats. The wallet I, I got on a ski trip in Colorado. I just saw it at uh, Kimosabi actually uh, in Vail, Colorado, and I thought it was a really cool wallet. I love anything with an American flag on it. Well, my girlfriend grew up like ski racing competitively, so she's obviously, she wanted to go do something that she was a lot better than me at. And she was definitely a lot better than me, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I was actually snowboarding, which she wasn't pumped about. She wanted me to ski, but it was fun and I made it out without getting hurt. That was like the biggest win. So I don't know, maybe I'll be back this year. I also travel with the massage table. Uh, my physio brings it around. Well, for me, it's, it's great um, to have the massage table in the room, not having to walk around the hotel or be on site. And we get treatment in the room. It's, it's like ideal for me because I, I don't ever have to leave except when I'm getting food or practicing. Thanks for stopping by my room. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I know I didn't bring much on this trip, but uh, hopefully next time I can show you guys a little bit more. Well, I know if I turned up at check-in with a massage table, they'd look at me a little strangely. Maybe Tommy flies in a different part of the plane than I do. The noise-canceling headphones, now that does make sense. They were probably invented for in-flight listening. Another player making the most of opportunities in Tokyo was Alex de Minor, who's been riding a rich vein of form and along the way becoming the first Australian since Leighton Hewitt in 2004 to reach 10 tour-level quarterfinals in a season. He has qualification for Turin firmly in his sights. I'm definitely not taking it for, for granted. It's a pretty good position to be in, but uh, as everything in life, once you get to a certain spot, you always want more, right? So that's the kind of stage I'm at right now. Uh, I can see a lot of goals of mine, you know, very close. So I'm trying to push as hard as I can to, to achieve them. And it doesn't come easy. Yeah, there's always more pressures and more ex expectations, but it's kind of uh, the world we live in, the sport that we're playing, and uh, you know, might as well just uh, push as hard as I can to hopefully finish the year strong. 
yeah, I guess one of those goals is reaching that sort of magic top 10. I mean, what is it about the aura of being a, a top 10 player for you guys that is such a sort of target? And, and how realistic is that now for you, do you think? Well, it's got a pretty good ring to it. Uh, that's probably why. Um, look, I think, uh, as you said, I'm two spots from, from being there. But saying that, there's a lot of good guys around me playing some great, great ball as well. And, and they're fighting for that same kind of goal so it's uh, going to be an absolute battle out there and it's it's all going to come down to whoever performs better in the last couple weeks of the year um, so yeah hopefully uh, that's me. What has made the difference for you this year because it has been a big step up in consistency and, and that winning mentality? I think it's uh, what I would call it would be probably more of a, a breakthrough because I feel like my level's always been there I've had that consistency over the last three to four years where I've been in kind of in the same spot uh, around the 20s. And I think just being able to get those wins over the top 10, top five players uh, has been a big boost of confidence for me. Um, I've struggled in the past, but to finally be able to get that breakthrough and, and realise that, you know, I, I can beat these guys and I can do it, you know, day in and day out it's a it's a huge boost of confidence that kind of lets me know that I do belong there. Alex Diminor getting used to life at the top. Canada's Felix Auger-Aliassime has unfortunately been heading in the wrong direction this year. He's currently outside the world's top 15 which is why after stringing enough good results together to reach the quarterfinals in Tokyo this week he was able to see the glass half full rather than half empty when speaking with Paul King. Yeah, honestly, people have been asking me a lot this year, like, this must be, you know, the toughest year you've had, or it must be really tough on you, but not so much. Like, in the end, I don't know, I, I feel like I've been just very fortunate to to play good tennis in the last few years and be healthy and enjoy my, 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 my tennis and travel the world. And, um, yeah, now this year has been more difficult result-wise, but... Uh, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, like I don't feel like, um, yeah, so negative. Of course, it's tough whenever I lose, but I feel positive about, about my game. I feel like I've improved still as a player, uh, as crazy as it might sound to some people. I feel like I'm practicing well, and I know that, you know, with the time, the, result, the, the results will, will come. Is there a danger you can start overthinking things in a situation like this as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, there is that danger or the danger that you start yeah, losing yourself a little bit with different opinions around and start listening a little bit too much to what everybody has to say, like everybody has the, the secret recipe or, you know, what's going to get you back on the right track. But for me, it's always been about the work, um, focusing on what happens on the court with my, with my coach. And that's the most important, uh, keeping that as a priority, focusing on that, giving my best effort um, and not thinking it's going to come back easily as well. So be willing to, to put in the, the hours and put in the effort and the focus and, and that I, I believe that with that, you know, the, I'm going to get what I want. Felix Auger-Aliassime keeping a sense of perspective and quite right too, he is still only 23. Coming up next, we meet a young player who's been high up all year in the race to the ATP Next Gen Finals in Jeddah and who had a great week at the business end in Antwerp this week. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. I'm Arthur Fierce, I'm 19 years old. So I grew up in a small city near to Paris, yeah. My dad taught me tennis when I was five, and uh, then I went to practice at the French Federation since I'm probably 13 or 14 years old. Now, yeah, I'm on the tour, it's my life, yeah. 
I'll start to take tennis more seriously around probably 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, I knew that I will be a tennis professional very soon. I knew already that I was going to be, I mean, a good tennis player. And uh, my dream was to be uh, number one, win some Grand Slam. So yeah, I'm on the way. They had uh, some really, really good players uh, like uh, Tsonga, Monfils is still playing, Gasquet is still playing, they got Simon, Yannick Noah won a Grand Slam, no, it's, they gave me a lot of experience and uh, they helped me a lot every day. I don't know, for me to improve my game and to, to improve my life on the, on the tour. I would say that on court I'm really, I would say explosive. I bring a lot of emotion on the court, uh, I bring a lot of energy. It's something in my personality to, to, bring, uh, to bring the energy, bring the thing. So not important for my game, but important for myself. Uh, my biggest weapon is uh, my foreign. Yeah, I'm trying to, to play a lot with my foreign. Who inspires you? Of course, I would say uh, I like really Lewis Hamilton or I would say Michael Jordan when he was playing. So yeah, these, these guys. Why did they inspire you? Uh, they inspired me because they they showed that it's all about the work. Uh, if you work good, you, you you have some good results. So inspired me a lot. Yeah. When I'm not on the tennis court, I like to go out with my friends, uh, with my family. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the cinema, I'm going to, to play soccer. Uh, me, I like to, to play a lot of sports. Uh, if, I'm, if it's not tennis, I will do soccer, I will do uh, basketball, I will do uh, American football, I will do a lot of sports, yeah. How would your friends describe your personality? Um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I, I should ask them, but I think that they, they know that I'm a funny guy and a chill guy, yeah. At the beginning of the year, I was trying to be in the top 100 really soon. Maybe to end the year in the top 100. So now uh, it's uh, everything changed a bit. My goal is just to be happy on the court and to try my best every day. Uh, the biggest highlight, I would say, uh, in Lyon, for sure, when I won my first, uh, my first tournament in Lyon. Yeah, I would say my preseason was uh, was a key for me. Uh, we worked a lot with my coach. Uh, we did a great work, physical work, technique, tennis work, and uh, yeah, it's, it helped me a lot uh, during the start of the season. Uh, in the future, I will try my best. Uh, if I can win uh, some big tournaments, I will win the big tournaments. If I, if I can be in the top ten, top five, or number one, I will I will try my best. But uh, yeah, let's see how it's going. France's Artifice, speaking to ATP Uncovered. Interesting to hear him say he wants to do things not for his game, but for himself. Clearly well aware that he needs to stay happy to be a good player. He's from a town just south of Paris, so it'll be interesting to see how he'll fare at the Paris Masters in a week's time. The 19-year-old Artifice is well set to test himself at the next-gen ATP Finals. Someone who was runner-up at that event last year but is too old to qualify this year is Jerzy Lehechka, the 21-year-old Czech who's already broken into the top 30. ATP Uncovered met with Lehechka at the ATP 250 event in Stockholm this week. Uh, I am uh, Jerzy Lehechka. I was born in uh, Mada Boleslav in Czech Republic. 
what a moment for Yezhi Lahetchka. My grandfather uh, and uh, my older sister with my parents, they got me into the sport, into tennis, yes. So my first tennis memory is uh, playing in uh, Mladá Boleslav in the uh, Czech Republic where I was getting my first ever trophy when I was around eight years old. Best advice I got as a junior is uh, don't worry too much. And how has that advice been going? I think in the last couple of uh, weeks, months, it went very well. Three tips for a young Czech kid trying to make it. Uh, don't worry too much. Second is uh, don't let anyone to take away your dreams. And uh, the third one is uh, never give up on Kurt. Yuri Lehechka. I am an aggressive player on the court. Oh, come on. What a point. A stunning forehand to win it from Yezhi Lehechka. Well, the fans love to see it. My favorite surface is uh, hard court because uh, all the bounces are the same and uh, I have much more possibilities how to develop the point. Lehechka back out in front. The consistency on the very top level is a very hard thing to do, but the most important one at the same time how hard is it to adjust from three to five sets? It's all right for me. It's, it takes a bit more preparation, but I'm very well physically prepared. He is in full flow now, Lehechka. Yeah, the physical game is uh, one of the most important things in tennis as well. Very tough to beat a guy who is physically very, very good. <laughs> the mental game, uh, it's uh, probably the most important one, because if you are not ready mentally, then you have nothing to do on the court. I am uh, very relaxed uh, when I'm off the court. I like spending my time with uh, my team, with my friends, if they are there. And uh, I like to watch Netflix and, uh, you know, just, uh, just to be relaxed all the time. My friends would describe me as a tough guy who loves to spend time with them and with uh, his family. My dream day off is uh, probably having some time uh, to hike some very, very high mountain. I cheer for uh, Detroit Red Wings. I think I'm into social media. Have you ever DM'd anyone famous? I think I did. I think I uh, sent a message to Petra Kvitova when she was uh, winning her first Wimbledon. What music are you listening to right now? Alternative rock. My favorite cheat meal is uh, cheesecake. My dream car is uh, BMW M5 CS. I'm looking to do some uh, great results on the tour for sure. My goal is to uh, go into top 30 as soon as possible. I'm looking to develop my surf and uh, my backhand. My ultimate goal as a professional is to win a Grand Slam. In five years, I hope to see myself as a Grand Slam champion 
and as a top five member of ATP ranking. What a moment for Yezhi Lahetchka. So see you guys later. I think many of us can see Yerzy Lehechka in the top five in the next five years. A really impressive young man, as well as an impressive tennis player. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Another player to exit in Stockholm, but whose general trend has been stratospheric over the past year, is the Dane Holger Rune, who at 20 would still qualify for the next-gen ATP finals, but he'll be looking to play at the main event in Turin. He's hanging on to eighth place in the race, but with a very narrow lead over his nearest chasers. Runa has a strong team behind him, which still includes, surprisingly, as she freely admits, his mother Annika. She chatted to Jill Krabus, and as you'll hear, she's a very forthright and colourful woman. I thought actually at some point when he was a teenager he would say, now it's good, now I'm good on my own. But... uh... And I was ready to, to go back to work. But, but somehow it's like when you become bitter and bitter, the more you actually need someone you can trust, not that you can't trust your team, but I have no shares in Hogger. I, I don't take a salary. I don't. So, so my interest in Hogger is only that he does good and that he fulfills his dreams. So he knows when he comes to me and asks for an honest opinion, he, he always gets it honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also easier to be honest when you're a parent because you can hate your parents, but it's very rare that you hate them for yeah. life. So even though he maybe get pissed that I say the truth, I always do. Uh, and I think he likes it because, you know, he can trust me. What are some of the, I mean, you don't have to reveal it if you don't want to, but what are the some of the most probably impactful conversations that you feel like you've had together for his career to excel? I think there are many. There are a lot of uh, mental things. There are a lot of things that's on his mind uh, all the time, uh, where where he's he's coming, asking questions, um, and and I think I'm quite lucky that even though he's a boy, he's super open, uh, and and he tells whatever is on his heart, and and we can talk it through, and this makes the next day easier, I think. And and I'm not sure if I was not there. At some point, I think there will be a girlfriend he can talk to, and and uh, and then it's not me anymore. But um, but I think it's different to to have someone that is not you know directly involved on court in how you have to play, how you have to do your physics and stuff like that. It's nice to have someone off court that that you can talk to. And do you talk do you talk to him about his tennis at all, or are you yeah, that's solely his, about with Patrick and Lars and? No, I talk about yeah. it with Holger also. If yeah. he asks me an opinion or something, I say what I think. Uh, and, and I always say, but don't make me a specialist because I don't want to be your coach. I don't want to stay on court. <laughs> I want, don't want to do these things. And he says, but you're actually very good at it. And I say, yeah, yeah forget it. Forget it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so, But, you know, I've been watched him playing since he was six. So, And I know Holger's character. I know what he likes to do on court. I know what he wants to do. So... In many areas, it's super easy for me to say you should go do this and that. Um, but then again, I'm not educated in, in coaching. I'm not like into all this uh, tactic stuff. So I'm, it's just my my gut feeling. Yeah, so. I know. I love that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm so impressed, because I think he speaks very well. I like listening to him in the interviews and, and seeing what's on his mind. I think he's a very good speaker for someone so young. 
The other thing I'm impressed with is he's just 20 years of age, but has handled the situations very well. Like the, there's always more attention on you, more pressure, more expectation. But he seems to really embrace that. Do you feel like that comes naturally to him, or is that something that he's worked on every day? I've been told many times if we wanted to put him on on media schools to to how to handle the press and and actually I think that you know we need we need people to be honest in this world if if we're all like dressed to say the right thing all the time then we make other people seems like freaks if you understand me it's like everybody is different in this world we think different we we dream different and and I think to make a certain diversity, it's it's important that we don't everybody just don't go out say uh, yes it's about playing one ball at a time or or whatever. But but you actually feel that this is this kind of person. So so I'm not really pro the media school, but I'm absolutely sure that it would make life much more easy if he was more like dressed to say nothing every time he went to the press. But then again, in the long term, I think if you look at other youngsters. Nobody is perfect. And if you try to, to pretend just because you put him on media school that, that, that as a young man you are absolutely perfect, then I think you give a wrong picture to, to all the other young kids that are 20 years old. That, and they are not perfect, trust me. Nobody is perfect right. when they are 20. So, so I don't think anyone's perfect ever, probably. <laughs> no, no, but for sure not when they are 20. Yeah. So, so I think it's important, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's important for his generation and, and the younger ones that someone dares to be themselves. And it costs something. It does. It comes with a cost because you cannot please everybody. If you say your opinion, and he had a lot of shit in the media, but he also had a lot of fans and followers in the media. So people like you, people dislike you, and and I think that's, that's how life is and, and how life should be. And somehow I think it's good that, that you learn it because... If, if you try to protect your children and, and make them believe that everybody loves you, then all of a sudden you're 35 and, and you realize, but that's not true. Nobody can be loved by everybody. Yeah. Maybe IKEA, but uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's tough. <laughs> well, that, bring, that brings up an important question for me with because my head immediately went to social media because you can read so much on social media. Yeah, Is yeah. that something that he pays attention to or tries to ignore? What is his stance on that? Or, and your stance as a mother. You know, the social media is good because it's a way for the fans to interact with their, with their idols, which is super good. Um, the bad thing about social media is there are so many fake accounts. Right. So if it was like an honest profile saying, I dislike what you do, then it's fair. But in 9 out of 10, uh, it's, it's like fake profiles that go write whatever they like. And it's like really nasty thing. It can be death threats. It can be a lot of bad things they write. Normally we block all these um, so, so he doesn't have to see it. Um, and the worst of them we, we go to the police with. There are some, some serious threats once in a while. Um, and, and they are quite serious about it. They, they follow it through. What I think, because I read a lot of analyses about the social media and, and we cannot get rid of it because it's a part of the interaction for, for the young people, which is good. But I read that, that a lot of school children, like 80% of them have mental problems because of the social media. There is harassment. There are, you know, they're not treating each other well. And it, 
should be possible to make someone responsible like if ATP you know runs an Instagram site they should be able to block whatever is hate because hate is not part of a serious debate I think the one who runs the site has an obligation to to block these ones out yeah because they then they will be left alone mm. and the same in 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 other you know they that you do a block function you can go one step further and say Instagram needs to put a block on certain words or whatever you right. can do a lot yourself from your Instagram but um, but I think the social media has a responsibility also to to take care of the youngsters and then just overall as um I mean, I can probably guess because of how he, you you guys are as a family, how he is. What is, where's his, where your is his mind now of what he wants to achieve? I know he wants to be number one, but in his vision, what's his specific? If you have specifics for his vision, now we always took it step by step. Uh, the same when we started senior, then he wanted to win fifteen thousand, twenty five thousand, then it was challengers, then it was ATP two fifty, then it was. Master Thousand, and now it's it's Grand Slams. He really wants to win Grand Slams, and it's not just something you do. It's it's not that easy. So you you have to work on specific things in in your game and your physique in order to be able to to manage five sets. And and you have to, if you want to win, you really have to be good, not just in in four matches, but in in seven matches, which is a challenge. So this is what he's working on. But I know you know every time Hogger puts up a goal, then he he reaches his goal. So it's just a matter of time when when we get the Grand Slam, I guess. What a fascinating interview, and apologies if some of Annika's phrasings offended you. If you'd like to hear more of that conversation with Holger Rune's mother, head to the ATP podcast page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or TuneIn, and you'll see that interview available in full on those platforms. Finally this week, like his Scandinavian neighbour Rune, Norway's Kasper Rud will also be looking to creep into Turin and the season-ending finals, but to do that, he'll have to improve on recent results. He followed up his round of 16 defeat to Fabian Maroshan in Shanghai with a round of 16 loss to Marcus Giron in Tokyo. Yet Rude is still happy with his overall performances. You know, honestly, I'm pretty happy with my uh, my level, my game. In Beijing, I lost to Alcaraz. Uh, he was just playing really well, um, as he typically does. Um, and last week, Marosan was also... I knew already before the match he was going to be a dangerous, dangerous player. Um, and he kind of proved that he can play well on both clay and hardcourt this year. He was able to beat uh, Alcaraz in Rome. You know, honestly, I think I played... a pretty good match, uh, three-set match, tough tough loss there, but overall I'm happy with the level that I'm showing and um, after US Open I did a few changes in my um, equipment and uh, kind of strategy-wise on court I'm trying to play a little bit more aggressive, not playing on the defense all the time, running around, so I feel like I've improved and winning you know, certain matches with uh, with this kind of new strategy or new, new me in a way. <laughs> I'm currently sitting number 10 in the race, so it's going to be an important couple of tournaments coming up now. I'm still technically you know, in, in the race and still have the chance to, to qualify if I do really well, but I know I'm going to have to do really well, so obviously a bit of pressure on the line, but I'm going to try it, uh, give it a shot. You know, Two years ago I was in a similar situation, was kind of 
four or five guys who were fighting for the last two spots and it looks like it could be similar this year so I hope I can really come in clutch and um, secure my spot that's kind of where everyone wants to finish their year and their season and uh, the two years that I've been been there it's um, been motivating to try to do it again and I know what's at stake and I hope I can I can like I said come in clutch and finish uh, very strong this year. Kasper Rude, and it would be nice if the two-time Roland Garros runner-up could make it to Turin. He's one of the nicest and most thoughtful guys on the tour. So that's it for this week. I'm looking forward to my week in Vienna, seeing how the last three weeks of the regular tour season pan out, and speaking to the players. And we'll bring you some of those interviews in next weekend's podcast. In the meantime, to watch live coverage of the ATP 500 events from here in Vienna, as well as in Basel, subscribe to Tennis TV. If you can't watch the tennis, be sure to check out the ATP WTA Live Scores app for the very latest scores. And if it's video content or other news you want, head to the ATP website, atptour.com. I'm Chris Bowers. Thanks for listening and enjoy the tennis.